You're listening to episode 31. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So Get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutawa here, your host. I'm super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Justin Christensen. Justin, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? I am. Thanks for having me, Davis. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Justin has spent um, over 13 years in digital marketing with a strong emphasis on implementation and optimization. He's the number one Amazon bestselling author of Conversion Fanatic, How to Double Your Customers, Your Sales, Your Profits with A&B Testing, which we'll delve into as we talk throughout um, this show. He is also the co-founder and president of Conversion Fanatics, a full-service conversion rate optimization company. And uh, Justin's company has successfully worked with consulting companies like Hertz, PayPal, and many more cool companies. So uh, I'm very, very excited to have you on the show, Justin. So welcome to the show. Uh, but before we talk business, maybe just uh, take 30 seconds to tell us who is Justin outside of work. Well, I'm a father of two little kids, six and almost four, and a husband, and pretty much outside of work, I, that's my life. So just playing with them, doing, we like to do a lot of outdoor stuff, and uh, you know, we just try to keep it fun, and they keep it interesting. Uh-huh, that's great. How long would you say you've been in full-time business for yourself? Uh, full-time, uh, well, I started my journey about 2002. And I've uh, been full-time since 2005, so what, 11 years now. Okay. And um, did you come out of corporate or straight out of um, university? Um, actually, out of high school, I actually went to tech school and got an associate degree to become an, an electrician. And uh, I worked in the electrical field for a little while and then realized I didn't want to do 80 hours a week and a manual labor. And that just wasn't the life for me. So I actually found uh, network marketing at the time and uh, learned more about personal development and things to that nature and found out that I wasn't a belly to belly prospector kind of guy. So I turned to the internet to generate leads and then moved up the ranks in affiliate marketing and uh, ended up having a successful information publishing company with a couple partners and uh, we grew that massively and then I sold that back to them in 2009 and uh, based on demand kind of went into uh, the optimization world full-time very interesting um, so so you've been an entrepreneur for for a long time I guess um, do you think you could go back and do a corporate job I don't think so um, I'm kind of set in my ways now where, you know, I, I'm firm believer in that I control it. And when I lose some of that control, it kind of bothers me. So I don't think I could go back to corporate or even go back to a manual labor. Mm. It's interesting that you talk about, um, you know, starting out in network marketing and a couple of, um, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, a millionaire, who was saying to me, Davis, uh, he'd, I'd recommend uh, for somebody starting out in business to go and maybe get a sales role. And uh, and I know I've read uh, in the past, like Robert Kiyosaki talking about, you know, getting a, a sales job or a network marketing role um, or um, sort of, you know, joining a business in that nature. But um, how did you find that? What was the biggest thing you took out of, of your experience in network marketing? Um, it was the personal development. That was the biggest thing. Most 
uh, it's specifically the company that I got started with was all about working on yourself and your mindset and your more so over the skills of recruiting and into that nature. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that stuck with me over the years and really just keeping up on educating myself. You know, there are millions and millions of books and audios and the internet's made it so easy, you know, podcasts like this and so many things to consume so much great information that um, you'd kind of be stupid not to, you know, it's, it's cheap to go to, you know, Amazon and buy a book and compared to, you know, going through a full education process. So just keeping your mind sharp, always looking for new ideas and constantly trying to expand. That's probably what I took away the most out of it. No, that's, that's true. Um, I spent about maybe three, three or four years, um, you know, the marketing in the not too distant past. And, uh, and that's right. You know, it, it teaches you a lot of personal development and, and just resilience. And uh, yeah, that it just takes away a little bit of that fear. And, uh, and I'm sure, you know, when you step into the realm of affiliate marketing, that would have come in um, pretty handy. Um, what, what would you say are your uh, core revenue streams in your business today? Uh, primarily the service. Um, that's, that's pretty much all we sell right now and uh, it, it's just all about that at conversion fanatics and we're going to be expanding a little bit now we're developing a proprietary software that's going to help support our service as well as allow other people to use it as well so um you know that that should be a good revenue driver um coming up but it's it's solving a big need in the marketplace so um we're, we're excited about that but yeah most most everything that we put our focus into now is the service that we provide right and so just walk us through maybe the key key things that you're currently providing and how you how you ended up getting into that space well got into the space um i had published uh, i've always done a b testing um pretty much throughout my entire career and i had published some information at our previous company kind of a monthly newsletter that we put out about test results and things like that so when i left that previous company um i kept getting asked about the implementation and the, the technical aspect of that, as well as A-B testing. So it really came out of demand. And our solution is ever evolving. Um, so in the beginning, we were kind of anything to everybody. Um, and we've really narrowed it down to we kind of shifted gears and really focused on the implementation of split testing and actually doing that for people. And then now we've kind of expanded a little bit more into a little more development as well as uh, design. And then as we also drive traffic for clients. So we've expanded our services a little bit, um, but it's all kind of stemmed and, and is surrounded around the actual core service, which is our optimization and implementation. So who's your ideal client at the moment, Justin? Um, ideal client right now, we're usually working with e-commerce or software as a service companies. Um, we've worked in finance space as well, you know, lead online lead generation, um, and sales, but it's ideally it's kind of in the, our sweet spot is usually in the 15 million range as far as revenue. Um, but we've, you know, we work with companies from a million to 200 million. And if somebody, uh, I want to maybe test you here on a bit of a case study. If somebody is running an offline business, maybe just uh, a shop, you know, they're selling, I don't know, they manufacture shoes, right? I've got somebody in mind who actually manufactures shoes. So this is a good example, actually. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not very strong online, or maybe they, they have some traffic online, but it's not really converting as much or uh, as much as they would want to. Now, I know you just talked about you, you help yeah, some of your clients now with traffic and then, you know, lead generation and conversion. So what are some of the things you would do for somebody like that um, if they're wanting to, you know, have more online presence, um, you know, from, from like a, just take us from the beginning of where your process would start? Um, first, find out where your customers are at, where they're going, how they're interacting with your online experience. You know, what are they doing in terms of your brand? I mean, if you have a completely non-existent online presence, then we've got a bigger problem. Um, but if you've already got some, you've got some traffic coming there, you've got some people buying stuff, it's really just identifying that key, you know, who that target market is and then figuring out where they're living online. 
you know, are they on Facebook? Are they on Twitter? Are they, you know, are they searching certain, you know, websites? Are they looking at certain blogs? Are they, will they respond to PPC ads on AdWords? And just really identifying where that is and then finding that path of least resistance on your site to the end goal that you want achieved. So just really identifying the friction points that's causing them to not do what it is that you want them to do on your website. That's our first phase. And it's, it's really just paying attention to your visitors, paying attention to the analytics and really understanding the interaction of the people that you're actually wanting to become customers. And that's always our first step is really just understanding that. Okay. So in that example that I gave you, so let's say their online presence is not as strong as they want it, as they want it to be, uh, but they have a little bit. So you're saying, you know, go into the analytics, find out what your current visitors are doing, and then kind of track back and work out um, where you can get more of those types of visitors, whether it's social or Google, and then start to attract more of them to your website and then create a pathway to what you actually want them to do when they get to your site. Correct. Okay. And what's the best way to to do, you know, run those analytics? Um, is it always, you know, hire, hire somebody or is there software that can help us do that? Well, you've got Google Analytics, which is free, you know, so that's usually a good place to start and gather some information over a 30-day time frame, you know, to get a better understanding, set up some goals, set up some tracking there. Um, leverage tools like Hotjar or Crazy Egg to get a heat map or a click map of exactly how people are interacting with the pages on your site will give you a lot more in, insight. You can also do what we call usability testing, where you find some people in your target market, you interview them, you see, you record their interaction with the site, you see how they're, where they're getting hung up, um, where the issues are, what roadblocks they're facing, um, so you can help alleviate those to help the overall bigger picture. And, you know, we usually do that with five or 10 people and it will reveal so much more amazing information for you. Do you know what? It sounds very, very technical. Is this um, something that most people can manage to do or do you find with most of your clients, either your team has to do it or you've got to have a a client who has maybe an in-house IT resource? Um, Testing is technical. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not the most technical person on the planet, but I was able to get by and set up a lot of tests for a long time. Uh, But now we've got a team of developers that handles all of that heavy lifting. So, yeah, there is some technical aspects to it. And the more complex you get, you know, the more technical you need to be. So, yeah, you need to have some technical gumption to to really make Mm. it a go. I want to step into your story a bit now here just to understand a bit of how you're running your business and and some of your other businesses. Um, So when you started Conversion Fanatics, um, you know, how did you go about, you know, finding your first customer and and even even generating the traffic in the first instance? Well, um, my business partner and I both came from a direct response, very direct response heavy background. So we actually started Conversion Fanatics. It wasn't even named Conversion Fanatics when we started it. It was uh, named ROI Society. And we thought, well, let's teach people how to do this optimization stuff. So we actually created a webinar around it and got a bunch of people interacting with the webinar and did, you know, got a bunch of great feedback. But the majority of the feedback was, we don't want to learn it. We just want you to do it. So we ended up getting our first client there. Um, and we started the company, Manish and I both threw in 750 bucks <laughs> into a bank account and started driving, use that pretty much for the minimal software that we needed to run the, the webinar and an email autoresponder and some traffic. And how big was your database at this point? Oh, we started with zero. Zero. Wow. Yeah, we started from scratch. I mean, we didn't really know. I mean, we had some warm market and we hustled pretty, we hustled pretty hard in the beginning. I mean, we still do, but um, we're a little bit more strategic. Um, so we were just trying anything and everything to get 
people interaction, learning exactly what's, what was going on and how to best sell this. And it led us down to where it's now Conversion Fanatic. So I want to break that down a bit more because that's pretty interesting to me. So you, you chose the webinar as the, you know, the option of you getting your message out there. Um, and at the beginning, you, did you have an actual product that you were selling? Was it a course uh-huh. or what was it? Yeah, we had a membership. Um, that we created, we created a membership site, um, just a basic where it had a bunch of kind of walked people through the optimization process, educated them on why they need to be split testing and really how to go about it. So we had a pretty hefty video course uh, available for people and we didn't really get much interaction with it at all. It was just, it kept coming back down to why can't you just do this for me? I don't know how to do it. I don't want to take the time to learn it. Um, I just want it done. And that's where we are. That kind of leads us to where we are today. Okay. And um, in terms of idea formation, um, was this an idea that you had as well to say, well, let's do it for people? Or or did you think it it um, it wouldn't work or it just didn't ha- um, come up on your radar at the beginning? Uh, it, didn't, it kind of was a thought. You know, maybe we can provide and actually do it for people, but it was really set in stone when people started telling us that it was. We thought we could get by on our information marketing background and and go from there, but most people really didn't care <laughs> about it as much. <laughs> and and did you have any reservations when you started working through this next step, or did you just plunge in and start to work out how to do it? Um, jumped in. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of an all or nothing. I don't do I'm a ready fire aim kind of guy. So I just get an idea and we go and I even told said this in a team meeting yesterday. It's like, well, I'm the guy that goes out and tries to break stuff and then Manish, my business partner, is the one who fixes it. So we just try a bunch of ideas, figure out what's you know, what has promise and then expand and massage and tweak it from there. Who did you market your webinar to at the beginning? Oh, I don't even remember. It was a bunch of different target demographics. I mean, that was three plus years ago. So um, we've done a lot since then. (laughs) Do you still do webinars? Uh, We don't, uh, actually. Um, We're probably going to roll them out again with the software. Um, But right now, we aren't really doing webinars. We've thought about bringing them back out again. So, so what's your growth strategy now? Uh, our strategy now is really old school. I mean, we're using a lot of email marketing, using a lot of direct mail. We do a lot of trade show sponsorships and, and things like that. We've done five plus shows this year uh, since May. Um, but we found that our ideal target market isn't on the typical places. They aren't searching for a solution necessarily. They aren't um, browsing their Facebook feed every day looking for a solution, and it's much less cost-effective way for us to acquire new customers, so we had to adapt. And that's kind of what led us down to um, the direct mail and taking kind of an old-school approach. Yeah, so you, that's part of your background that you said before, direct response marketing. Um, so are you doing physical mailing into people's mailboxes or email or combination? Combination. Um, we just did a, a big outbound campaign. We mix in a lot of phone calls, a lot of email, a lot of direct mail. You know, we leverage uh, a copy of my book uh, quite a bit and some direct mail. We, you know, pamphlet, you know, kind of brochures, um, handwritten cards, you know, gifts, different things like that. Okay. I, it's interesting because I, I spoke to somebody uh, recently and they, and they were still... Um, you know that's what they teach direct response marketing and um and they believe it's still it's still uh it still works uh, i know on 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 the internet or online you you can just do you know ads and stuff so it's interesting that you guys who are in the digital space are actually doing that um physical mail outs so it's different isn't it? it 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 gives you a different edge as a business it does and it's um it's a way to cut through the noise um, cut through the clutter that you know we're enamored with every single day. I mean, we're we're constantly grabbing for people's attention, and our attentions are constantly being grabbed at. So, it's a good way to kind of break it up 
and uh, get the attention to help build that relationship. Can you give us um, just to understand a bit more about some of the successes that you guys are helping your clients have? Give us a bit of a case study, maybe as to somebody that you have helped, um, you know, turn around um, their business or their traffic or their conversion, and uh, just walk us through something that you know can be of interest to somebody listening today. Uh, one recent one, I think we had 1,892% increase in premium subscription sales for one company. Um, we helped another company 1,850% growth in the overall company in like 10 months. Um, we've helped, you know, countless people (laughs) increase conversions by 30, 40, 50%. Um, we had one recently where we doubled their active paying customers and uh, reduce their acquisition costs. So the cost that their advertising was taking to acquire a new customer uh, by 25%. So, okay, walk me through this last one and give me some ballpark numbers. What does that, what does that mean? So what was their traffic looking like? And before you guys stepped in, what, what were they converting and I don't know, dollars or per ticket or something just to give us a bit of perspective? Uh, um, they were spending about $25 to acquire a $50 customer. And they had about a thousand active paying recurring customers at the time. And they were really plateaued. They'd lose some, they'd have some, you know, retention issues. So we were able to come in, really streamline their advertising, got their um, acquisition costs down to about $13 on average. And in about 45 days, they were at 2000 um, active customers just from their original database or traffic um, we tweaked we tweaked uh, their advertising and tweaked the offer a little bit and then streamlined the online experience is really what made it a go so we really switched up the offer to make it more appealing at least to try it out and uh, and just really narrowed in on their target market on their advertising and what industry was this one specifically in um, this was in um, artisan treats so you know sweets chocolate candy things like that right right so yeah okay so that's a standard kind of business right um so what were some of those things that really made the difference do you think from the advertising perspective maybe uh what really made the difference there is we instead of you know getting the typical free trial into the subscription we offered them a bonus um, instead of the trial. So try it out and we'll give you X um, and really brought that value proposition up to what they were getting in exchange for the dollars that they had to spend. Try it out for free or try it out as it paid? Paid. So we actually got rid of the trial and just added a bonus and said, you got to pay to play, and uh, but you're going to get this extra stuff if you do. And it, it went off like crazy. Does that work all the time or just in certain niches? Bonuses are always good. Um, we find that anytime we can offer a bonus. No, I mean, switching off the, the free trial. Uh, free trials work great in a lot of markets. It depends. I mean, it really depends on what you're, you're marketing. Um, this was a physically shipped product, so it made it a little different. You know, you were more getting the bargain shoppers rather than an actual customer. And we were looking for the actual customers that would stick around for a long time. And aside from that, I mean, in the software as a service world, they use free trials very effectively. You know, try the software out before you buy it. And uh, that is a little bit more useful in that kind of situation. So you, you just kind of want to play where your market's at and what kind of customers you want to attract. It's interesting. And I asked this question because um, I was talking to somebody uh, maybe two weeks ago, and they were saying to me, Davis, I didn't want to launch a product, um, even though it was a software product, uh, with a free trial because I wanted my first sort of 100 to 200 customers to be paying customers and they can give me a real feedback on on my launch, you know, because if it's a free trial, people don't really care. They don't test it properly. They, um, but obviously, this is a slightly different angle uh, where it, they were not looking for immediate feedback. They were just looking for um, longevity in their customers and, you know, kicking off those ones who were just sort of wanting to, to get some freebies. So very interesting strategy. And and is that um, has that helped with retention as well? Do you know after the follow-up maybe you've done? Uh, like a free trial? Or are you talking about getting them to play? Now, once you've changed over with, with this 
yeah. when when you get them to play, you know, pay to play uh, in in that particular market, it was much better customers. I think we extended the the average cycle by a month um, or more. I think it was like a month and a half. I can't remember exactly, but it was yeah, it extended the life of the customer by over a month and it just created better buyers. We found that the trial customers would come in and get the free stuff basically, and then disappear. Um, they weren't continuing on. So it was costing more to acquire the customer and not making as much money. So in this example, and I like this actually, how long did it take your team to work through, you know, the analytics or set up different tests and how many tests did you have to do before you landed at something that was working? Oh, I think that was close to about a dozen tests, dozen split tests. It took us, it takes us about two to three weeks to get through all the analytics, really understand what's going on, um, develop the test hypothesis, what we're going to test, and then actually set up that first test. Okay. So, so it does take a little bit of time. And if somebody um, wanted to, to do something like this, um, you guys are setting up I guess an alternative to to what you're currently offering, um, which is you know a software product that can help you I don't know plug in your data and start to help you create reports. Is that what's on the horizon? Um, our software is going to be more on the reporting um, side as well as the man the management of the tests. Um, so we found that it's very difficult to use like traditional project management tools. And it's very difficult to, uh, especially in the conversion space and setting up split tests. So, and as well, it's really tough to see and calculate the overall improvement cycle. So what is the historic data and where, where did we start and where did we end up? So we're really looking at a better way to understand the, the data um, as well as uh, manage your entire process of split testing. What about if somebody's launching a brand new product and maybe their current database doesn't even cross-pollinate with what their, their new launch is? Um, what are some of the things that you, you can help you know, that person think through before they do that to, to, to create a successful launch? Uh, market research. It's, you're only as good as the, the information that you have at hand. So really just understanding what's being sold in that market if there is a market, is the market scalable? Is it big enough for you to actually play in, to have longevity in, um, that you can scale to hit your goals? Um, and, you know, just really understanding that, you know, what's, who's selling what in the marketplace, how they're positioning it in the marketplace, and how are you different than them? You know, what's your unique selling proposition? How are you going to stand apart from the rest of the you, you know, the noise in that market. Have you ever had a client where you go in and you think, well, what you guys have as a product maybe doesn't actually work. Maybe think about doing a different product or do you always find a way to help them convert? Um, we're very picky about who we help. Um, so we have to believe in the product. We have to believe that there is room for growth, um, that we can help or we just simply won't. Um, I learned a long time ago to say no. Uh, a lot, you know, I learned, I learned it the hard way, <laughs> but you got to say no to the ones that if it's on the fence that you maybe or maybe not can help, chances are you can't. So don't force the situation. Um, so we usually work with companies that already have an established track record. They've already got some product selling. They've already got some people in the door. They've got some room to work with because in testing, you have to have eyeballs, so you have to have traffic and for an effective testing plan, you need to have 30,000 plus monthly unique visitors to really, truly test something efficiently. That's cool. So saying no, that's, a, that's another important lesson, right? Um, what about if you need the money? Say no. It's empowering. <laughs> it's empowering. Seriously. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is funny to say, but... E how bad do you really need the money? Is it worth the headache and possible failure of a campaign? Um, you know, and I'm guilty of it, taking on anybody and everybody we possibly could because we had bills to pay. Um, but it's important that you learn to say no early 
especially if you're just starting out or you just have a new offer or you just have a new service or whatever it might be is learn to say no a lot faster because that'll open up things, you know, not to get all woo woo and fluffy, but it'll open up your world to kind of attracting the better clients. So if you're constantly in a fear of, it, it kind of, it doesn't put you in an abundance mindset. It puts you in a fear mindset or a, you know, a lack mindset. So you need to, you're chasing dollars instead of chasing the solution. And if you constantly are trying to help people or you're chasing dollars, like, oh my God, we need to put, you know, $10,000 in the bank. Um, you're not going to make $10,000, but if you focus on who can we help and how can we better help them, Jen, you'll probably put 20,000 in the bank. So it's, it's really just kind of a mindset shift. And once you say no, it, it's much easier and it's really empowering. You know, we've, we've fired clients before like, Hey, this just isn't working out. We're not meshing together. Um, it's just been a big headache. So let's just part ways and you can take all the information. Um, that's, that's been very empowering as well. I love that. That's, um, that's a, that's a tough one, I guess. And, and like you said, you know, when you're growing the business, you're scrambling for lead, you're scrambling for, for, you know, for what to do, where to get money from. And then you, you have to turn somebody away. But I can, I can see why, why it is empowering and, and it kind of, um, helps you focus on what you really want to do. Um, so you've mentioned a, a couple of good points there that I wanted to touch on. The first thing I want to ask you is how do you test for growth, uh, and scalability in a, in a, in a market? Um, see what's being sold. Um, is your market too small? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, do people really want what it is that you have to offer or what is it about that market? I mean, you you don't want to go into some completely crazy niche market that maybe only has 5,000 customers total or a hundred thousand customers total. It's very tough for you to scale and you're going to quickly burn out. You're not going to have the, the longevity in there. So just find out if there's a bunch of people selling what it is you want to sell in that marketplace or something similar, then you're on to something. Don't try to reinvent the wheel and start something new. There are very few people that are able to do that. Um, you know, one good example of somebody that's been able to do it is um, like Elon Musk with Tesla. You know, he kind of reinvented the market um, with the electric car. But, you know, there isn't so many other people. If maybe you want to sell supplements, for example, you go out there and that's a multi-billion dollar industry. So people are buying it every single day. There's entire stores dedicated to just supplements. So you could have a good market there. You just got to really figure out if your target market big enough to scale. And if there's a bunch of people selling stuff in that market, chances are it's a good one. Okay. Good answer. I was actually thinking, well, how am I going to, you know, what do I, what, where do I go? Where do I punch in for Google? But, you know, the example that you've given, um, for, for supplements, I guess that's a good one because you, you can actually see some of the revenue numbers floating around online. I guess there's some niche markets that maybe go to Amazon. Yeah. You're, okay. Go on. I mean, that's it. Go, go to Amazon and search for something. I mean, if they, if Amazon has a category for it, it's a good market. Okay. That's a good, good tip. I mean, they're kind of the, the, the catalyst for a lot of online e-commerce these days. Yeah. You know, you can get anything on Amazon, really. <laughs> so you just pay attention. And if they're selling it on Amazon, chances are they could probably sell it other places. And they probably are. Good tip, man. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> and I hope somebody listening here today is thinking, yeah, I can, I can actually go to Amazon and check that. I know there's uh, many years back, me and my wife were, were testing out eBay and we bought some courses on that. And you, know, you can test out what's hot on eBay through um, some software code, uh, I think Terra Peak or some, some other software like that, um, which is quite specific to eBay. But I think, you know, you know, Amazon is a good platform, um, like you said. So I think that's a good, 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 good approach. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've got a lot of traffic and I've got somebody in mind who, who I coach. Um, it's actually, um, my wife's young brother. Um, he runs a music, music website actually. Um, and lots of traffic that goes to that site. And sometimes we, we, we chat and we say, how do you actually find a way to convert this traffic? 
um, because it's free music, for instance, in this instance. Um, how do you, how do you coach clients to, to work out? I mean, they've got a bunch of traffic, but it's just not converting to, I don't know, dollars. Um, how do you help them navigate that? Pay attention. Ask your, ask your customers. Ask your existing customers if you have some. Um, ask your traffic. Survey them. Find out what it is that makes them tick. Where are their biggest problem areas? What do you want? Um, you know, in music, it's more of a pleasure sense than a pain sense. So really find out what it is that makes them tick because people only buy for two reasons. That's to avoid pain or gain pleasure. And if you boil down any, you know, money transaction, it boils down to that. That's it. Um, it's the only two reasons. So um, really just identifying it. That's all it really comes down to. You've got really two pieces of the puzzle with a kind of an optional third. The first is you get traffic. You get eyeballs on what it is that you want people to see. And then you've got the conversion element. You've got that desired action that you want people to take. And then the other key element of that is you have people. At the end of the day, you're dealing with people. So a lot of a lot of people actually ask me all the time, it's like, well, have you done work in my market before? Have you helped anybody else in my market? And sometimes the answer is no. But I always explain it that we're just dealing with people at the end of the day. It's all numbers and people. So we just figure out what those people want and we test to confirm or deny our assumptions to figure out what makes them tick to help push them along the path a little bit better. So my answer to that is, in short, is just really understand how your visitors are interacting and what they want. And the best way to do that is to ask them. Now, how do you, I know, I know you've talked about this on other, um, other podcasts that I've heard you on and um, you know, probably in, in some of your, your writings, but um, how do you get people to, to actually respond to to, to surveys, um, what, what's the best thing that you've seen working at the moment in the marketplace? Incentivize them. If you're going to a direct survey, give them something of value in exchange for their feedback. Could be as simple as an ebook. Could be something a gift card. Could be, I mean, there's the, the, the opportunities are literally endless there. But give them a reason to why you want the feedback. Um, you know, even when we're doing usability testing. We'll pay people that we find an interview. It's like, okay, how about if I give you $50 for you to spend 20 minutes with this or give me, I'll give you $50 for an hour of your time. I just want to see how you interact with this site um, and get their full-blown feedback. That's on a smaller scale, but on a larger scale, just incentivize them. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of quizzes and survey type lead generation processes out there and even the gentleman that wrote the forward to my book, Ryan Levesque, he uh, made his whole business around the survey model. You know, the ask, he calls it the ask formula and talks about it in his best-selling book, The Ask, ask Method um, on Ask. But yeah, it, it's, it's just really understanding that pain. So they're giving something in exchange of value away in the terms of you're going to get this result. We're going to tell you exactly. Um, one example is one, uh, understand the seven types, the seven things that are killing your metabolism for weight loss that are holding you back from weight loss. We'll tell you exactly what your metabolic trigger is. Just answer these few questions. Um, so he's just getting some information up front and then ask them, it's like, okay, now we're going to email you the results, but that's on a different side. But if you just want general feedback, incentivize them. And would you, would you say it's best to incentivize them with something linked into what you're already providing or it doesn't really matter too much? Um, I would say it's got to be in line um, a little bit. It's got to it's be something of value to them, you know, in, but usually tied back to what your, you know, direct, their direct pain points are or their pleasure points are. Mm. And then I know you, you guys help your clients, I believe, in this process as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we, we can. We definitely want to understand what's going on. What, what, what do you then do with that information or what do you recommend somebody does with that information first off? Find commonalities. Um, you're going to quickly develop trends in the information. You're going to get some feedback that you don't 
want to see. Some of it's going to be negative, um, but it also works twofold, that you're going to allow your visitors or your customers to vent to you and hopefully be give them the understanding that they're going to be heard so they don't turn to social or they don't turn to you know, review sites to, to bash you. Um, but you're also going to get some valuable feedback. But all we're looking for there is commonalities and trends. That's it. So what are the common things, the common problems that are popping up? And then that points us to where we need to alleviate some of those issues. Right. What's, um, what sort of software works best or um, tools that you find for this? Um, for general surveys, um, software like SurveyMonkey is a good one. Um, it's cheap for an extended version is like 29 bucks. So it's, it's not crazy. So, and many autoresponder services like even get response um, and things like that have survey features built in. Um, so you can email them out. There's, there's many other software solutions out there. Are there some rules that you follow when you're creating and crafting a survey, like maximum number of questions or, you know, languaging or things like that? Um, that, that varies. Um, that varies. Usually try to keep it short. Um, no more than really 10 questions is kind of where we find it to be, but we like to keep the questions open-ended. So not a specific yes or no. We want to, that we want them to elaborate. Um, we want to understand in their own words, instead of just a yes or no, or a radio button that selects between five options, it's not going to be a multiple choice answer. We want an expanded, elaborate answer that you know, really helps us understand. Um, so if you're going to go through the point of that, um, ask open-ended questions. Mm, it's good. I want to shift a little bit and talk about um, what you would consider the biggest breakthrough t- um, while, you know, over the last year and a half years at Conversion Fanatics. The biggest breakthrough is really finding out where our target market is and what keeps them up at night. That was probably our biggest two breakthroughs um, that we figured out that they weren't necessarily online and that we figured out their biggest pain point is, and the biggest pain point that we found was that they just don't have time to do what it is they know they need to be doing. Um, They're just spread too thin. So we help alleviate that bandwidth constraint. And you found that out through asking or the first, uh, okay, I'll let you answer. Yeah, asking. I mean, that's, that's really what happened, and, and a lot of it. You know, asking many different companies, many different uh, clients, many different prospects, um, even in our circle of influence, just asking what is going on. And as we work through different projects and different scenarios, we identify a lot of um, other areas too, that can help us refine our product. So we kind of live by the philosophy that we're in constant daily improvement. Um, so we're just trying to be a little bit better than we were yesterday. So we tweak a lot of elements of our company every single day and every week and every month um, to try to make it better, to better serve our clients. So we're just constantly listening to them and helping understand what's going on. Mm, that's great. And you're, you're living up to what you preach. So that's amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you, how long do you, do would you say it took you for you guys to to get to a place where I guess you had maybe replaced your your income or reached your initial income goals at the beginning of the business? Oh, I don't even remember. I think we probably started to gain some traction. I think we hired our first employee within nine months, um, so we were kind of living off savings and stuff at that that point in time, and living off the scraps that were coming in. Um, and really dumping everything back into the company. Um, so we really, it took us about, yeah, six to nine months, I would say, before we started gaining any real traction. Mm-hmm. And what about fear of failure? Um, I know a lot of people are held back and just paralyzed and, you know, stay in my, you know, corporate role or, or you know, just, you know, stay in my original business. You know, you sold out of your original business. Um, how did that play a factor for you? Did it motivate you? Did it hold you back at all? Um, there's been times I second guess myself um, a lot, actually. I mean, it's it's not it's not easy, um, especially when you jump in. Um, I mean, even when I decided to go full time and quit my job way back in 2005, there were tears shed. 
um, between my then fiance. Um, it was actually, I decided to do it two months before we got married. Um, and there were tears, there were tears shed. There was uncertainty unknown. You know, we came from a, a background that was very much go to your job and, you know, get a good job and do work, work hard and, 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 and do what it is that you can do best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there was definitely some uncertainty there. There is some fear there, but you can't be one foot in, one foot out. Um, you really have to, if you're going to do it, do it and just jump. Mm, I love that. Um, I want to shift a little bit more again um, to understand some of the philosophies that you operate with in your business and in your life. Um, help me rank these in, in your own personal way, if you rank them at all. Faith, fun, family, finances, and friendships. Um, family, fun, finances, friendships, faith for me. That's good. What about um, a 30-second look into a day in your life when you started the business uh, versus a day in your life today? Uh, day in the life, I mean, it's very similar. Um, I work a few less hours now, um, but I'm very structured. So a day in my life is I'm typically in the office by 7, 7.30, and I go home. Uh, I'm usually home by 5. But there's usually some things that I got to take care of in the evening after my kids go to bed. But I, I rank family up there really high. Um, so I really try to schedule and make sure that I'm, I'm home, you know, to do dinner and bedtime and, and things like that. And uh, it, it works out the majority of the time. So um, I generally work hard and fast and I get done more than a lot of people do an entire week in a day when I'm really dedicated and focused. So... Um, my day is usually pretty structured. Always has been. Um, I just do what needs to be done and make it happen. That's good. That's good. Um, do you invest in mentors? And if yes, why do you think it's important? Always. Um, because there kind of goes back to our earlier points on, you know, the education and the personal development is if you can get feedback or guidance from somebody that's been there, um, that's, worth its weight in gold. Even if you get one piece, maybe it costs you $10,000 to hire a mentor or a coach or something like that. And you get one piece of golden wisdom out of it. It's worth it. You know, we hired one not too long ago. It cost us like $18,000 over a, a couple month period. And we got a lot of good insight, you know, out of that, just in just one thing out of there was worth it you know, worth the investment. And we've constantly um, tried to expand our circle of influence and a lot of just understanding different aspects of how business is conducted from people who have been there and done that. So it's just constantly evolving, but I believe firmly in hiring mentors. That's great. Um, and so just quickly, what area were they helping you guys um, in your business around? Oh, we've hired business development coaches. We've hired overall agency coaches. We've hired um, sales coaches. We've hired management coaches. Uh, you know, whatever it can do to give us an edge. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, Justin, what would you say are the uh, good uh, two good books that um, um, entrepreneurs need to get their hands on and read? Um, one of my favorite books that I've read uh, in the last year or so was Playing to Win by A.G. Laffley, which is the former chairman and CEO of Procter & Gamble. Um, it's a fantastic book. Another one that's kind of my Bible, I guess you could say, in the philosophy of continuous improvement is Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, now, you've written a book as well. Um, Tell me about your book and where we can find that. Um, you can go to our site, conversionfanatics.com, to find links over to the book. You can find it on Amazon, on both paperback and Kindle. Um, I really wrote the book from a standpoint that people need to be educated on why optimization and split testing is important. And but I wanted to write it without a bunch of fluffed up theory. I wanted to write it that was something very tangible and actionable. So I use a lot of specific examples, a lot of case studies, 
a lot of ideas and strategy around that mixed in with a little bit of theory. But um, yeah, I just, I really wrote it from that standpoint and I've gotten great feedback from, you know, people that are very well-versed in optimization, very well-versed in marketing. They're, you know, we consider experts. Even one of my uh, kind of mentors is, um, gave me great feedback and he kind of pioneered what is now modern day split testing. I guess I could say he's, he's been doing it for a lot of years longer than me. Um, and he got great feedback and I've had great feedback from absolute beginners that are just understanding how to get more out of their efforts. Awesome. Now that's good. And always great to, to have a book, uh, cause it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. So congratulations on that. Um, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you, Justin? Um, again, you can go to conversionfanatics.com or you can connect with me directly. All my social links and contact information are on Clixo, C-L-Y-X-O.com slash Justin Christensen, all one word. We'll, we'll link that up in the show notes for everybody. Justin, before I ask my last question, I just want to thank you for you know coming onto this show and uh, helping uh, open our minds as to what we, what we can do with uh, with the traffic that we're generating on our on our business sites and also some of the things to think about in terms of understanding what our customers want. Um, you know, for sharing all your wisdom and for all the things that you have done in and around the marketplace. And I've seen you around um, on different different platforms. You know, sharing this message. So so appreciate you for what you're doing in the in the business community. Um, now for the last question, I wanted to just ask you, Justin, when all is said and done, and um, what legacy do you want to leave? and be remembered for and tell us why um that i well obviously we want to leave this world a better place but as far as my legacy i want to be known that i was an honest trustworthy hard-working person that really tried to help people amazing that's great i love that um honest trustworthy somebody willing to help others you know get ahead we've all been helped and uh, hopefully this show has helped you move forward towards your dream Uh, so thank you for hanging out with me and justin today ladies and gentlemen um hope you had as much fun as i did and importantly i hope you you got your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams uh head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes just type in justin in the search bar and all his show notes will appear with everything we talked about today and uh, to connect with justin you know just go to conversionfanatics.com and uh you know you can reach out there see what the guys are doing there and uh, send them some love as always um justin thank you so much for being on the business journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us we're absolutely grateful you are a true business general yeah thanks davis for having me it's my pleasure Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. And you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.